Welcome to Heartland Christian Center's Sermon of the Week. You'll be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center's YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. Come on, high five somebody when you sit down and tell them it's good to see them in the house of the Lord, right? Come on. Has God been good to you? Come on. He's been faithful, hasn't he? Well, he really has. I, I know some of us in this room, I guarantee you, we've all got stories. We've all got circumstances and situations that we have navigated life, but we look back and can, we can see the faithfulness and goodness of God, true? Come on, amen. Somebody asked me in the first service, said, what are you doing with the stage building it out? I said, listen, you folks sitting so far back, you ain't coming to me, I'm coming to you, okay? I'm just, I'm just telling you. I'm coming, but no, we're getting ready. We've got so many people wanting to use their gifts and their talents, and we're just trying to give us a little bit more room. And Because uh, I look for one Sunday for just to break out a shouting up here on this stage. So I want to give them uh, worshipers some, uh, some room. Hey, I want you to grab your Bibles and grab your worship guide. We want to welcome North Judson and Wanata, our Hebron Full Throttle Biker Campus, Westfield, NPH, everybody. Want, come on, would you give a good shout out? Good hand clap. Tell them we're glad to have them. They're joining us by way of satellite this morning, and we're glad to have them with us. You know, all this month, we, we've been in using a word all this year, and next month is the word awesome. How many understands that Christmas is awesome? Somebody asked me this morning, said, how come you ain't doing a countdown to Christmas this year? Okay, 35 days to Christmas. If you need to know that, that's when it is, 35 days until Christmas. But Christmas is an awesome time, but before we get there, we have Thanksgiving. We have a month of gratitude. We have a month that, that we've been hanging around on this word appreciate, appreciation, I've kind of given us a working definition as having admiration for others, but more importantly, communicating your respect and your approval to them. According to one of the studies by Towers and Watson, the single highest driver, the single highest influence of encouragement in a person's life is feeling genuinely appreciated. It's not just knowing or thinking that somebody might appreciate me, but it, it's being able to feel that. And communicating appreciation is so important to the people in our life. Paul is writing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and he gives us in verse 11, he said, therefore encourage one another and, and build each other up just in, as in fact you are doing. So he's not correcting them, he's commending them for something that they're doing. And, and I, I, you know, uh, this month we celebrate in our church 74 years that Heartland has been serving this community and the communities around us. 74 years that I think this church has been encouraging and lifting people up, and we've been, we've been bringing people to Jesus for 74 years. And studies show that those people, men and women like you and I, who show appreciation, we communicate appreciation to one another, to the people in our lives, that we're more committed to that person, and we're more likely to stay in that relationship. 
How many people do you, do you hear sometimes in our culture today say, I just, I just feel like nobody appreciates me? Any moms in the house ever felt that way? All that you do? I just, I just feel like nobody really values what I'm doing in my life. And, you know, I found out that every one of us in this room, we all know this, but we either, we either go through life affirming people, appreciating people, lifting people up, or we discourage them. For 74 years, Heartland, I think, we've been a balcony church. We've been a church that wants to lift people up. We've been a church, yeah, we deal with some tough subjects sometimes, and we, we preach the Word of God without apology, but, but our heart is to make sure that we're lifters of people. Come on, somebody say amen. Because we understand that, that, that oftentimes people may forget what you said, they may forget what you even did for them, but they never forget how you made them feel. Is that true? You, you, you may forget something somebody said, you, you may even forget what they did at that moment, but you never forget how they made you feel, whether it's encouraging or discouraging at that moment. In Paul writing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he's writing, concluding his discourse on the coming of Christ. And as he focuses on the fact that we're living in the time when Christ could very well come. And how many understand even more so in our culture right now, right? Come on. We see things happening in this world. We know this world is taking some dramatic changes and turns in it right now, something is on the arising of taking place. And we believe in the, uh, in the return of Jesus Christ. We, we believe that. And Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica. He said, listen, first of all, two things. First of all, I want you to encourage one another. Look at your neighbor and say, I need some encouragement. Come on, tell them. Just be honest because you know you do. Encourage one another. And then the second thing, he said, we'll just, we'll just continue to do that. Just keep on doing what you're doing and, and just keep on lifting people up. And, and again, when, when you look at the study of what it does to the psyche of an individual, what it does to the emotional well-being of, a, of an individual, studies show us that when, where there's ingratitude in any relationship, Ingratitude is the major reason for stagnation in that relationship. Ingratitude, taking each other for granted, not, not appreciating each other, not, not speaking to each other the words, the value. You see it with husbands and wives. You, you see it with, with children and parents. You see it with parents and children that they don't communicate. Oh, they know how I feel. How many understands you don't know it until you hear it? Come on. Now, we can assume, but listen, too many of us commit a suicide. We assume way too much. And listen, so the Bible says that we should keep communicating it. Paul picked it up in Ephesians 4.29. He said, but only what is helpful in building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen to it. Now, everybody in this room knows what it is to buy something, and the moment you buy it, it depreciates, right? You buy a car, you, you buy a motorcycle, you drive it off the lot, and immediately the value drops. It depreciates. 
But we also can understand that appreciation means what? It means to raise the value. So, so when I appreciate my spouse or I appreciate my children or appreciate my relationships, I appreciate the people that God has put in my life. I appreciate the church. What do we do? We're raising the value of that. You understand that? So we're, we're lifting that, that person or that individual up. And listen, one of the things that I've discovered is that everybody in life needs some encouragement. Come on, anybody say amen to that. And listen, here's the thing about it. Again, when you study the brain, when you study the way our mind thinks, positive, the brain has a way, the brain is kind of like Velcro. When you hear a negative comment or you have a negative experience, your brain is like Velcro. It sticks to it, okay? But reverse that when you hear a positive comment or you have a positive experience, your, our brain is like Teflon. Slides right. Come on. Anybody ever felt that? So here's, here's what they found out. It takes three positive statements to override one negative statement in our life. Am I preaching to anybody yet? Why? Because all you need is one negative experience. All you need is one negative thing happen to you, and in that moment, it sticks to you. you your day can be perfect except one thing. Come on. And that one thing, it's like Teflon, it just hangs out in your head. So we have to have three pots. And listen, I never met anybody who come up to me and said, Pastor Phil, please hold your, con- your, your, your affirmations and your encouragement. I, I have felt, I have been so overwhelmed by encouragement today. No more. Come on, you ever, you ever run, run anybody like that? Who says, oh, please, whatever you do, you know, do not compliment me. No, oh, man, people have just blown. No, we don't have that in our culture today. Everybody in this room, that we have this unqualified need to be affirmed, to be appreciated, and every person that we run into, they need that same affirmation and appreciation. So we're talking about that this month. And what does it look like in our lives? And now, now here, here's why I want to I turn and have a quick conversation with you. What I've discovered, not only in our personal lives, we have a tendency to take things for granted. We have a tendency to take people for granted. We have a tendency to take the goodness of life for granted so many times. And we, we have an entire culture today. It's not just young people. It's moved into every age category of entitlement. Oh, I, I deserve this. Come on. If, if you don't say amen, I know I'm talking about you, so say amen and fake it till you make it right now. But listen, we, we, have, this, we have this culture of I deserve this. I ought to get this. Well, this is the norm. And what, what happens with that is that so many times when you have good people and good experiences in your life, we take them for granted. For instance, you look at our church. I, I said we have 74 years of this church being in our community. Now listen, the average church in the United States of America, 80% of the churches in the United States of America, they're stagnant or they're declining, 80%. There's only 20% of churches in the United States of America that they're on an increase and they're growing. 
Now listen, we sat here today and we, we benefit from our, from our forefathers and those who were before us. For 74 years, we've had men and women in this church that, that had the desire to make an impact in this community in Northwest Indiana, and they have sacrificed, they have served, they have given, they've stayed steadfast in, in difficult moments. And listen, for 74 years, now we're sitting here and we get to experience a growing church, a church that is penetrating and reaching communities and small communities. We have things happening in schools. We have, we have things going on in every area. And we sit here and we say, well, this is normal. Listen, it's not. Hello? It's not normal. Dr. Scott, when he was here the other week, he spoke to our, our student ministry on Sunday night. He, afterward, we had breakfast the next morning. He said, listen, I don't see that everywhere. Most student ministries are still struggling today. They have no impact in their schools. They have no life change happening with students. And you've got something going on here you don't hardly find anywhere. Are you with me? So listen, understanding the value of something, appreciating it. I know pastors, we have a tendency that we take things for granted. We take people for granted. As I was walking through this series and and uh, preparing this message, I, I was writing down one day of attitudes that I appreciate about this church. And I want to give them to you, then I'm going to navigate you, uh, you to, to Peter, and we're going to talk about what, what, is, what does that look like for us. But I think taking the time as a pastor, taking the time for whether you've been here for a while, maybe you're new to this church, taking the time to say, listen, I want to give you five attitudes you don't find in the normal church. The first attitude is just simply, listen, is that we, we have a we can attitude at this church versus a we can't attitude. Listen, studies tell us the difference between growing churches and declining churches is the attitude that things are possible with God. Are you with me? I mean, we, we say, well, Pastor Phil, certainly we, we know that. No, no, no. A lot of people don't know that. It's, it's only the churches that believe that they can, that they're moving forward and making an impact in our culture. And churches that believe that they can't, guess what? They're declining. And listen, whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're correct. Because listen, your actions is going to follow your attitude. Growing churches like Heartland has been for 74 years and the last 22 years that we've been here, listen, growing churches have the mindset that we're going to find a way. Declining churches are always looking for an excuse. Well, good preaching, Pastor Phil. Well, I tell you what, listen, declining churches, when they have leadership meetings and staff meetings, listen, they come up with 20 ways things will never happen, <laughs> Growing churches say, hey, here's, here's 20 ways that we can do something. The attitude of a church tells us more about our faith and our trust in God. Growing churches believe they can. And listen, the growing churches believe that the mission is more important 
than, than whether or not to take significant risks. You understand everything that we've done in the last 22 years that I've been leading this church, there has been significant risk involved. Every time we decided to build or to buy or to go into a small community, we've had to navigate the fact of what if God doesn't show up? I was meeting with a businessman this week, and I was sharing with, with by an invitation, I, I was sharing about the Sunshine Center. And in the, in the very start of the conversation, he said, how much is this thing going to cost? And I said, $15 million. He said, where are you going to get $15 million? I said, I don't know. And he looked at me like, Will you come to me talking to me about something that you don't know? I said, listen, that's not my problem. It's God's problem. He knew then he either had a real faith guy on his hand or he's got a nut, okay? But he didn't kick me out. Listen, I told him, listen, th this project is bigger than Heartland. It's bigger than me. I, I don't have 15, but let me tell you what I do have. I have faith in a God that has proven himself time and time again that when his people take a significant risk, that God will show up, particularly when you're doing it, that's something that touches the heart of God. You really think Moses understood how that water was going to depart when God just said, stretch out your rod? Do you really think he knew how it was going to to happen? No. He did what God asked him to do. And listen, for 74 years, this church has done what God asked us to do. We stepped out. We went into small communities. We've opened up campuses. Listen, we, we have ministries and schools and things that we do. Listen, every one of those things came from a little bit of what if. What if what if we did this? What if we did that? And as we stepped out on our what if with our faith, guess what? Because it touched the heart of God, it healed the heart of man, it reached the heart of the world, guess what? God has showed up time and time again. You understand, sitting in a church, being able to raise your family, being able to have your marriage mentored by a church that has a mindset that we can do something versus we can't. You understand how that's going to lift you up in, in the years to come? How that you're starting a, a legacy right now? Some of you, listen, some of you are first-generation Christ followers. Some of you are breaking the bondage and change of, of people behind you. They didn't follow Jesus. Oh, they might have knew about him. They might have had some, some mindset about Christ. But they, listen, you are now in a full forced pursuit of loving Jesus Christ with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And listen, can I tell you, you're changing generations in front of you simply because you're sitting in a church that says, hey, we can do this. With God's help, we can accomplish it. And we'll take a risk and just see what happens. And listen, every time God has showed up, the second attitude that I, I love about this church is a them attitude versus a us attitude. See, declining churches are always focusing on themselves. Growing churches is looking out like Jesus said, look out over the fields, look at the people. And listen, and so many times, the mission to reach the world in growing churches is not just something we know about, it's something that we live. And I cannot, can, listen, I cannot tell you how important that is right now in unstable times that we're living in right now. Listen, sadly, over the last several years, many churches 
moved quickly into a preservation mode. They, they, they went to preserve themselves, try to do a preservation mode. How do we preserve? Only growing churches went into a mission mode. And they said, wait a minute. This is not the time to pull back. This is not the time to, to settle. Listen, the future belongs to every church and every person who stays, uh, stays mission-minded. And churches that, that come smaller, they become selfish. It becomes about us, not about them. Listen, you look out over the field today. You, you go to any job. You go to any place where you have relationship with people and you can walk into that place and you see the hurt in their eyes. You see the emptiness in their heart. And churches that are growing, churches that have people like you that are kingdom-minded, you see that not as an obstacle. You see that as an opportunity for you to stand up and be a light that shines to them and give them hope and point them to one who can absolutely lift them up. And you sense that and you know that. It, it, isn't a, it isn't a them versus us attitude. Thirdly, we have a principle attitude versus a preference attitude. Yeah, thank you for that. You, you, you understand how so many declining churches start ministering with a preference. Well, you know, I prefer that we sing this, or I prefer that we sing that. Oh, you know, I prefer, I prefer that our services be this length. Oh, I prefer that our services be that. You know, I just prefer. And what happens is churches and pastors start doing their best to start meeting the preferences of the church rather than saying, wait a minute. God put us in the community. We're supposed to be a light, sit on a hill that cannot be hid. How in the world? Can we not sit back, or how in the world can we sit back and not do something about the needs that are in our, our community? And it isn't about our preferences. It's about what is the principle that God is wanting to build our life upon. So it moves us to the fourth thing, that this church has been a proactive church for years rather than just a reactive church. See, growing churches are proactive. In any relationship, any relationship, marriage, kids, listen, when you, well, listen, if you live in a reactive mode as a parent right now, if you only react or respond to circumstances or behavior that you see at the moment, you're, you're behind. You're way behind. You have to live in a proactive mode. You have to live in a mode where your kids think you're a whole lot smarter than what you really are. Hello. You have to live in a proactive mode where your kids think you do have eyes in the back of your head. Come on, somebody help me. You live in a preactive mode that you already, listen, you've already been there. There's not going to be any new behavior come up that you haven't already tried yourself or you know somebody's tried. And you live in that, that, that proactive mode so you're ready. When they try to be dumb, you're already ready there for the dumb thing that they're going to do. And you're not going to be surprised. You're not going to say, oh, where in the world did that come from? You see, churches that, that, are, that are proactive understand that. They understand that, that we refuse to allow the agenda of circumstances to motivate or determine what is our future going to be like. Listen, I submit to you that back in 2020, when COVID hit our country, hit our nation, hit the world, and there was people that went into a fear-based mindset 
and churches went into a fear-based mindset. Oh, my goodness, we've got to shut down. We, 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 we've got to sit back and just see if we can hold on to see if we can ride this storm out. You know what this church did? We started reading the waves. We started sensing and sensing. Now, listen, it wasn't just handwriting on the wall, God revealed. It was just what if. What if, in the midst of this shutting down services, what if we decide to get us an LED screen at Dalpo in Norcha, and what if we just throw up this big LED screen that you can see during the daytime, and what if we just opened this thing up and had a drive-in church where people come in and sit in their car? Do you understand? Listen, I want to remind we bought the last FM receiver that was available in the United States of America on a whim of an idea. And once we bought it, there was no other. You couldn't buy one. And once we bought it, you could drive on this parking lot, turn in to your station, and you could watch it on a big screen and listen. And then when I'm too loud, you can say, he's too loud. I'm going to turn him down. Listen, that was like heaven for some of you. I know. I know. Some of you miss those days. But some of you told me every now and then when you would ride out, you say, oh, Pastor, you just wasn't loud enough today. I said, I'll fix that. Come on. Let me do, but listen, you understand that there was a there was a proactive moment that we decided that there wasn't another one available. So we have a we have a MacGyver down at our North Justin Pastor down there. He's a MacGyver. Uh, Pastor James, he looked at what we had, he said, now legally, he did it for the kingdom of God. He said, Pastor Phil, I think I could build that. And listen, he, he, he studied it. He looked at it. He built one. It was much stronger than the one we bought. You could drive into the city limits of North Johnson, and you could start picking us up on the channel. I mean, it was powerful. But listen, it all happened out of a whim of a moment that we decided we're going to be proactive. When the school thing was happening, we said, let's open our door. Let, let's take our equipment. Let's take our staff. Send them to school. We'll broadcast these games. We'll do that. We'll, we'll let parents sit at home. They can't get in the gym. Listen. Everything about that was proactive. When we made that decision, it rotated the whole community's look upon this church as a church. They they seen real quickly, Heartland is not a selfish church. When I shared with that businessman the other day, the vision of the Sunshine Center, and we went through the process of what we want to do, he looked at me, he said, I've never met a church, I've never met a pastor that had as big a heart as you to, to want to do something for such a, mass, a vast need that there is. It shifted the mindset. We have a today attitude versus a someday attitude. Some people are always going to get around to it eventually. I'm thinking about, listen, I've, I've been around business long enough to now, and when Christian people say this, well, pastor, let me pray about that. I just put you down for a no, okay? Because that's really what it usually means. I, I, well, I'm going to pray about that. No, you ain't going to do nothing. It's usually when you hear something and that little prompting, that little voice of the Holy Spirit prompts you and say, you know what? I'm going to try that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to move forward. Listen, this church understands if we want to be effective, we act. If we want to be ineffective, we don't act. That's simple. Talk without action is of little value when needs is around our culture. Listen, let me, can, can I just tell you one more statistic about, now listen, and I, I'm, I'm, moved, I'm moved on from COVID 
But listen, can I tell you, we have a culture right now. One in five people who contracted COVID-19 is now being diagnosed with mental illness. Mental illness being diagnosed as with high anxiety, anxiety, depression, insomnia, and now dementia. You understand, our culture right now is suffering. They're still suffering. But listen, we're sitting in a church that said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus Christ has given us the answer. There is a way out of this. We do not have to get stuck in no man's land believing that someday we might do something. No, listen, it is about today. When these special needs children, let me just go back. When these special needs, when these children with disabilities, once they leave school, they, 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 the classroom, there's great teachers, there's great volunteers, there's great aid, but they're there five or six hours a day. Once they leave school and they go home, their social network shrinks, shrinks way down to one or two or three people in their lives. Using a parent, caregiver, now it's a lot of siblings, it shrinks down. These children suffer from a higher rate of depression than even, quote, the normal adults do in our culture right now. Why? They have nobody. They have no place. They have no social network. And for somebody, for a church to say, wait a minute, we're going to build and we're going to have a structure where these kids can come and have social relationships. They can have an opportunity to exercise and play ball. Some of you saw the other night in our local area where the one little boy gets to go in for a few seconds or a minute or so he gets to make a shot. Nobody guards him. Listen, that, that is a, so heartwarming for people. But what if we could create a place where that could happen day after day after day after day, week after week, they have opportunities and places to come. That's what this church is thinking about. We see the future. Disability, different ability needs in our, in our community. Hey, folks, newsflash, they're not going away. You follow me? They're not leaving. They're not getting less, they're getting worse. The diagnosis, listen, somebody said, well, why is there so many diagnoses? Well, the good news is they're being diagnosed today instead of just saying, that's a trouble child. He acts up. He's got behavior problems. They're recognizing this autism thing has messed our kids up in so many ways. And now the depression and the, and the agonizing mental illness has come. Listen, regardless, and I, I, I know COVID was a sickness, but I'm going to tell you, you can't look at the results of what COVID did to some people without understanding there was a demonic factor behind that. But we know the Prince of Peace, don't we? Come on. We know the God of healer. We know the one that can give us the peace of God that passes all understanding. That's why we exist. That's why we're here. That's why we're here lifting up Jesus today. It's because we part of the solution. And we understand that. And we're growing and we're in power. And I appreciate that about our church. I value the fact of the difference that God is making in many of your lives. There's transformation happening. Some of us, is, we want it a lot quicker than what it is. But listen, be patient. Let the Holy Spirit work with your life. Are you with me? Those are things I, pre I appreciate this. Come on. You appreciate our church? Come on. Give the Lord a good hand clap. North Judson, Wadita, Hebron. Those are things I don't want to forget about. I, I, listen, it's important that we communicate that. 
Our leadership for the last 22 years has been amazing. Our staff is amazing. As we've had, listen, again, every time we took a, a, a move forward, it was a significant risk to hire. We came here, we didn't hardly have any young people, didn't have leadership. It was a significant risk when this board said, hey, we'll bring this little, this little youth pastor in here, let him start something. And listen, our student ministry is amazing what it's doing right now in our schools and our young people's lives. It's because we have, we, we have a great church here. You understand that? Man, I hope you appreciate that. So how can I be appreciative people? How can we do that? Peter says this in 1 Peter 4. Look at, look at your notes. He said, most importantly, everybody say most importantly. Now say it like you mean it, most importantly. I mean, guys, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is it right now. Some of you have got some family gatherings come Thursday. You're going to want to listen to what I'm going to tell you for the next few minutes. Most importantly, love each other deeply. Because love will cause many sins to be forgiven. Open your homes to each other without complaining. Each has received a gift to use to serve others. Nobody's left out. Each. Everybody say each. Be good stewards of, your, of God's various gifts of grace. They're grace gifts that none of us deserve them. Anyone who speaks should speak words from God. Anyone who serves should serve with the strength God gives so that in everything God will be praised through Jesus Christ. Okay, Peter gives us three things. I'm going to give them to you real quick. Number one, I show love and appreciation by forgiving them. I show love and appreciation by forgiving them. He says, love each other deeply because love will cause many sins to be forgiven. See, sometimes the greatest way that I can show, you can show appreciation to other people in our life is simply to love them and forgive them. I mean, forgiveness is a constant topic in the Scriptures, but, but listen, it has to be a constant subject in our lives. Well, listen, think about that. Nobody's perfect. Everybody, everybody that we come encounter with, they need some type of forgiveness. But often what happens is relationships in a community get damaged because people aren't willing to offer forgiveness to one another. And we see it in our culture today. We see how the unity suffers when people don't forgive. Unity, listen, you, you know, you know, you've been in a room and you've been in a situation where you've seen unity present. When unity is present, you know it. When unity is absent, you know it. Come on. Where there is division, all there is is chaos and confusion. Jesus said a house divided, it cannot stand. And the same thing is true about all of our relationships in the church, outside the church. If, if we are divided in our relationship with other people, listen, we, we will never accomplish what God has called us to do. A church particularly that is, is divided, it will eventually implode on itself. When you get people fragmentizing each other and, and, and se uh, you know, segregating off with mindset, all of a sudden that, that division will cause a church to just implode on itself. The enemy doesn't have to do anything from the outside because everything's happening on the inside. Come on, are you with me? 
And the Bible teaches us that when you and I love each other and we offer that forgiveness to each other, what does it do? It puts us in a place where we're walking together. And listen, we walk together in agreement. We, we, we're able to run with vision. But when, when there is unity, I mean, miracles, Acts chapter 2 and verse 2, on the day of Pentecost, they were in one place, one mind, one accord. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit shows up, and all through the book of Acts from then on is the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit working in the lives of individuals, just like you and me. Why? All because there was unity. When our band plays and our music plays, there's two main instruments that is absolutely important on this, on this stage. It is the drums and it is the bass. That's the reason why Hayden and Thomas are always trying to get more money out of us. They, you know, they do everything free. I just said that. But listen, they, listen, I don't care what the piano sounds like. I don't care what the vocals sound like. I don't care what the guitar or the trumpet. Listen, it doesn't matter. If these two instruments, the bass and the drum, listen, they carry the rhythm of the entire. Listen, they can keep everything in sync. If they're out of pocket, good luck, baby. You better stop it and start over again. And believe me, I've done that a few times. Wait a minute, guys. Stop. It ain't there. Every relationship, listen, every relationship has a bass and has drum in it. Every relationship, husbands and wife, you have a bass and you have a drum. Families, church, we have a bass and we have a drum. And listen, those two instruments has to stay in pocket. We have to stay together. We have to make sure, I don't care what circumstances is coming against my family. I don't care what obstacle I'm facing right now. I don't care what difficulty. If me and my wife can stay in unison, she may be the bass, I may be the drum. I may be the drum, she's the bass. Doesn't matter. But listen, as long as we stay in unison and we stay in pocket, We'll ride through every storm that we encounter. You understand that? And here's the sad thing about what happens in life, that often people hold grudges and erect walls that keep us from having unity. And again, we're, we're all imperfect human beings. And listen, we say dumb things, we do dumb things, but every time, listen, every time something happens to you or me, we have a choice. We can choose to hold on to that and it become a grudge that we hold on to or we choose to forgive and go forward. You have a choice. And listen, I demonstrate appreciation to the people in my life by walking and living in forgiveness. By saying, I refuse. Listen, and listen it doesn't matter what the issue is. Listen, it can be little or it can be big. But I'll never enjoy life. I'll never have the fulfilled life that God wants me to have if I don't practice forgiveness. When I'm sitting talking to this businessman, he asked me about my daughter. Now listen, I've, I've, I've told Sunshine's story so many times. Some of you said, well, I'm tired of hearing it. Well, just get over it. I ain't going to forget it. So just listen. When Sunshine was born, we prayed for miracles. We prayed for her eyes to get fixed, her, her tongue to get smaller, the roof of her mouth, to, because everything about a Down child is messed up there. Not just a, not just a chromosome thing, their looks, their, 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 the way that they communicate. We prayed for a miracle. For three and a half years, we prayed for a miracle. And all of a sudden, three and a half years later, four years later, instead of God giving us a miracle for her, 
the first time we discovered that God had given her to us to do a miracle in her life, in a miracle in my life, is when Rhonda's dad wanted to show up at a church where we was pastor, a little small country church. He had been begging for, for, for months to come by and, and see us, and we refused it. Because David, when Sunshine was born, he, gave a, he spoke a word, and he said, God was punishing you for leaving me. We had left him when his ministry was breaking down. We pulled out. There were was, was some moral issues, and we pulled out. And David called the hospital. When we was in the hospital, he said, yeah, God's getting you. Listen, when, when somebody tells you God's getting you, you don't let go of that real quickly. Now, maybe you're more spiritual than I am. It took us three and a half years, almost four years. And we've been praying for a miracle. We're saying, okay, God, you're going to give a miracle. You're going to change her. And four years later, Dave calls. I said, come on by, David. And I said, Rhonda said, no, no, no. And David's sitting in the living room. And long story short, Sunshine jumps out of her, Rhonda's arms, makes her way over there to David, grabs him, hugs him, and says, you my grandpa? And David said, yeah. She said, I love my grandpa. And the Holy Spirit says, okay, are you ready to let it go? And that right then, right then is where Rhonda and I made a decision. No more grudges. No more bitterness. We refuse. Listen, I have people tell me all the time, well, Pastor, you don't, you don't understand. The reason I hold on to this stuff is because I use it. It protects me. Listen, one of the greatest things that, that you and I can do is to refuse to to punish the next person in our relationship, our life, because of the actions of a previous person. You understand that's what happens to people? The reason why you won't forgive is you're holding on something that somebody else did to you. Now, every person that comes into your life, you're, you're measuring that person by what somebody else did. And listen, oftentimes, you never have that real unity that God's called for you to do. Jesus modeled forgiveness when he was on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. I don't know why David made such a statement. I don't know why he, he wanted to do that. But listen, it wasn't for me to try to get in his head because he had been in my heart way too long. I said, enough. We're done with it. And we started loving him, honoring him, respecting him. Every time he, he came, sat right over here, right prior to his death, every time he come through this city, we would put him in a motel room. I'd take him out to eat. I lavished him. I did good things. Rhonda did nothing but good things for her dad. Why? Because, listen, it wasn't just for him. It was for us. It was for our future. Jesus said, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive you. Peter, Peter comes to him in, in, in Matthew 18. He said, okay, Lord, how many times should we forgive? Seventy times seven? And Jesus said, seventy times seventy. Well, what, what is he saying? Listen, write this down. We need to be willing to forgive another without keeping score. You follow me? Some of you need to tear up the scorecard today. Let it go. You're never going to move forward. You're never going to appreciate the real value of the people that's in your life right now because you keep looking back over your shoulder. 
Oh, yeah, but Pastor Phil, I stay angry. I protect myself by not forgiving so that I won't be hurt again. Yeah, the chances are, here's the problem with that. The only thing about you trying to protect yourself the way it is now is that you hold on to that stuff, and it becomes a bitterness, it becomes a grudge in your life, and it destroys your own life. If, if we don't forgive others, we're not going to be able to move on. Dr. Scott made mention Sunday, I think it was, he said this. He said, we've moved away from a culture with a cold shoulder to those people different from us that now we have a cold heart to those who are different than us. See, it used to be a cold shoulder. We ignored people. We walked away from people. We just ignored them, and we give them a the cold shoulder now. You know what's happened to a lot of people in a lot of churches? Now we've turned a cold heart to our world. Our world right now, it is jacked up. Come on, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking. It's jacked up. But the church cannot afford to get a cold heart towards the world. That's who Jesus died for, just like you and me. And but for the grace of God, we might be in some of the messes that some of our friends and some of our families and some of our co-workers are in. But for the grace of God, we're not there. And what you and I have to decide, you know what? It's, it's too important to hold on to this stuff. I refuse to hold on. I'm going to appreciate people in my life by showing and giving forgiveness on a daily basis. For 48 years, Rod and I have held on to the fact, not because we're so smart, but we discovered at a young age when we got married, is that we have to stand ready to forgive because every day there's things that we may do or not do towards each other that could put a wedge or put something in our life that could cause us problems down the road. So you know what we do? Every day we stand ready to forgive. It doesn't mean we don't talk and speak truth to people. Again, one of, the, one of the quotes that Dr. Hagee has in his book is that just simply the most important person in our life is the person who loves you but is not intimidated by you enough to refuse to tell you the truth. See, we all need truth-tellers in our life, right? It's Dr. Phil this morning. Hello. <laughs> but I love you, and I, I want you to have the life that God's designed you to have. And I want you to enjoy life. Yeah, there's things that's happening. Yeah, there's broken relationships. Yeah, there's things that's going on in our lives, our lives. But listen, what we understand, that when you and I show love by forgiving, most importantly, he says, do that. And then he says, I show love and appreciation by practicing hospitality. What does that mean in our culture today? He said, open your homes to each other without complaint. Now, in, that, in the day that he's writing this, hospitality was needed among the, the early church followers because there was all kind of persecution going on and people were turning to Christ and they were being displaced out of their home. They was being run out of the city and oftentimes they, they become refugees. And Peter is saying, listen, these, these Christians, these followers of Jesus, they need a place today to uh, stay. So why don't you open your home to them and do it without complaining? Now, here's our problem with that today. Well, Pastor Phil, we in America, we have nobody that's getting displaced out of their home because they're a Christ follower. I know nobody who's got kicked out of apartment or home because they love Jesus. 
So why is hospitality so important to us? Why is it necessary today? Because we have all these boundaries that we want to build with each other, and we want to protect our privacy, don't we? You know, we, we, we have all the boundaries. Why do we need to show hospitality? Listen, listen to this. Talk about mental illness right now. Talk about loneliness. One-third AARP Foundation, don't tell me how I know this, but AARP found out that more than one-third of adults over the age of 45 are lonely. A majority of these individuals, listen, they reported of being physically isolated, having small to none social networks on which they can turn to. Think about that. But it isn't just the 45 and older. Listen, also recent research shows that the experience in loneliness in the 20s is near the top of the challenges of Generation Z and millennials. Despite all the latest communication technologies we have, the relationship between loneliness and young people is growing. Although society is more connected through social media, mobile devices, today's young people, listen, they lack intimacy of face-to-face human reaction, what they call IRL, in real life. They lack that. As a result, it is, it is heightened the level of isolation, of overcoming loneliness, depression, thoughts of suicide, and attempts of suicide. Can you imagine that? This is America. This is, this, is a, this is a great country. And yet here we have not just the adults. We have young people. Listen, it's even more importantly for us to understand that the church has the answer for this. We, God has left us in this world. We can be part of the solution. How? By opening our home, creating moments, creating times of fellowship, creating times of a small group settings, whether we come together to eat or just hang out. We create, listen, we're part of the solution. We're part of the solution. But some of us are too busy. Oh, I don't have time to have people in my house. I don't want people to see my house. I don't want this. I don't want that. Let me, let me just share. I, I, come on, Pastor Lynch. I'm going to get right quick. Listen, I've, I, for years I've done, I've done studies on spiritual warfare. And uh, I've, 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 I've seen out of the studies of spiritual warfare what enables a person to battle. Now listen, we have a lot of life stuff happening, and then, and then there's, there's the presence of real evil. And uh, the enemy, the devil, the adversary of our soul. You understand that? I'm not a devil chaser. I don't see the devil under every rock and every surf. But there, there is a such thing as spiritual warfare. For years I've done study on this. And, and um, some of the characteristics that they have developed of men and women who don't give up in the midst of a battle, who don't give up in the midst of difficult circumstances of time. They're people that have they're solidly connected to a local church. In other words, they don't just attend. They, they participate in the local church. They have a devotional life on their own. In other words, they know how to read the Bible and, and, and study the Bible. Now, they, they often may struggle with consistency, but, but they understand the importance. But listen, the third most important characteristics. Are you ready? Here it is. They have people in their life who walk with them and who work with them. 
Not speaking in tongues, not prophesying the Bible. Listen, they go to church, they participate. Yes, they have a study. But listen, the third most powerful characteristic of somebody that can battle the supernatural in the midst of a storm is they have somebody that walks with them. And that somebody comes along beside them and they help them to encourage them to believe what the Bible said. And they rehearse time and time again God's care, God's comfort, God's power. Power, God's grace, God's pay. They rehearse it over and over again. And if God brought you through then, he can bring you through again. You have somebody in your life who does that. Do you? You have somebody that's walking with you, that'll work with you, and I think sometimes weep with you. Because we, we have a battle going on in this world. A man, there's hope and there's help with you. You understand that. I show love by forgiving. I show love by hospitality. I show love and appreciation by serving people. I love what Peter writes. Anyone who speaks should speak the words of God. Anyone who serves should serve with the strength that God gives him. Peter says, we show love and appreciation to others by using the gifts of grace that God's given us to serve other people. He, he, he didn't give gifts to you and me so that someone would give us some type of accolade or glory or praise. He gave gifts unto us. So what? So we can turn around and use those gifts to serve. It's the reason why we talk so much about in this church about using your gifts, serving. Why? That puts you in a different mindset. And Peter says this, listen, when I extend forgiveness, when I practice hospitality, when I serve people, guess who gets honored? Look at the, look at the last part of, of 1 Peter 4 and 11. So that in everything, God will be praised. I love that. You understand God is honored when I forgive people in my life. God is honored when I show hospitality. God is honored when I just serve other people so that he gets honored. Don't we, in ultimately, what we're about is to make sure that God gets glorified with our lives, right? Come on. That's what we're about. It's what Christianity is all about. That it isn't about us, it's about what God can do through us so that ultimately all the glory gets reflected back to Him. I can't wait to see the glory that God's going to get when we get this Sunshine Center built. And the faces and the hope and the help, not only for the kids, but for the family members. The family members, their social network is often so shallow. Now, again, we're blessed with sunshine. She's got so many people in this church that loves her. But let me tell you, as she gets older, when she goes home, she isolates herself. She, won't, she don't want to be bothered. She sits, and she goes in her room. She takes a bath. Every day she takes a bath. Every afternoon she takes a bath. She has to have a bath. She's the cleanest one in our whole family. But I noticed, and Ron and I have conversation all the time, if it wasn't for her outside relationships, we could see where isolation could lead her to depression. How many families don't have that? 
There are families that don't have a church family like that. You guys are amazing to celebrate the fact that we, we let her stand on the stage and sing, even though she knows John and, and Aaron don't have her mic up. But she, she tells me every Sunday, tell them to turn my mic up. <laughs> and she'll tell them real quickly, I'm not dumb. Aaron, John, you better listen. I'm not dumb. She knows that. I don't want to be in your shoes when you stand before God. I'm going to be honest with you right now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you, 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 you understand, you understand what, what a joy it is to have a network like this. Now listen, I know some of us coming this morning, we don't really know each other, and you wave, and, and we got guests here today. Thank you so much. But I, I, want, you, I want you to value appreciation and, and communicate it to people in your life. What's some action points? Real quickly, you don't have to write anything down. Number one, just, just do it often. Praise often. Make, make it something that you look for the small ventures in your kid's life. Hey, hey, I thank you. You got half of the room clean today. Awesome. You're great. You're great. You're awesome. Praise often. Praise publicly. It's the reason why I took some time, and thank you. Thank you for allowing me. But I wanted to publicly praise and give appreciation to this church for those five attitudes that I know that's what's making a difference in this church. Here's a forgotten one, praise in writing. You know, you know the, the art of writing a note is almost disappeared in our culture today. It's almost gone. We send emails. We send text messages. And I'm, I'm not saying that they're, they're not good. We got two ladies in this church. Miss Linda and Miss Carol, they're sisters. My 88-year-old mom and Rhonda's 80-year-old mom every week. You know what the highlight of their week is? Is they go into the mailbox because they know they're going to get a thank you, thanking about you card all the way from Northwest, Northwest Indiana from Linda Carroll that's going to be in their mailbox. My mom told me, she said, I used to hate to go to the mailbox. She said, but now I look forward because I know there's going to be a card. Whose week could you light up this week? By just getting you a few thank you cards and just writing. You don't have to write a letter. Just just write a simplicity note. Every week I try to do something with somebody in this church. I try to send out something. I just try to say, hey, I noticed today this was one. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Praise sincerely is the last one. Everybody in this room knows when somebody's blowing smoke, don't you? Come on. Don't, don't, don't give false praise. Praise sincerely. And listen, when we do that, you know what it does? It elevates. It lifts us up. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click the Give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.